as Paul kind of alluded to, 2018 has been a, uh, for a lot of us, it's been a rough year. Um, we've dealt with many different things. Some of it has been loss of a loved one. Maybe it's been some sickness in, in our families. Loss of a job. Spouses leaving. Or somebody that we know that is not saved, that needs to know the Lord. And um, my prayer this morning, and I'm going to pray before we get into the study. My prayer this morning is that um, we would just come to meet with the living God. Because I don't know about you, I don't, I don't have enough here in myself. I need the power of the Spirit to move mightily this morning because there is a lot of things that we need this morning. I think of my life as we were listening to that song, Jesus, it is you. Man, he provides every need for us when we just call upon his name. He is so good to us. He is so incredibly good to us. So before we get into that, I just want to pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. I thank you, Abba Father, for raising me up this morning, raising each and every one of us up this morning, and giving us breath in our lungs, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your word that will go forth in power by the power of your spirit, Father. I thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our lives, Father God. I thank you for your son most of all, Jesus Christ. It is by the power of his blood, God, that you have changed each and every one of us. And I thank you so much for that. Because without him, Lord, we would be lost. Father, I pray as your servant Paul prayed in 1 Corinthians, Father. I pray this morning that this would not be a message of, of wise and persuasive words, Father God. But that it would be a demonstration of your spirit's power. So that no man can come up here and say, look at what I've done. But we can only look to the Almighty, to you, Father God, and say, look at what you've done and look at what you're doing in our midst. Father, you are a living God. These are not just old stories, Father. So I pray, Abba Father, right now that you would just come with us. That you would meet us now. And that hearts would be softened and penetrated right now by your word and by your power. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So, as I was thinking of, uh, you know, just kind of where we've been at as, as a church, as a country, there's so much turmoil that's going on. There's so many different things that you could just turn on the news and you see death and political and whatever it is, but also the spiritual and the walking away from the ways of the Lord. There are so many things that are going on and so many things that can give us such a heavy heart this morning. But I want to encourage you guys this morning. We have a God that answers prayer. And this has been the most amazing thing to me this year. Is many of you guys know um, my story and what, what Danny and I have gone through this year in losing our home and just doing a lot of things. But I want to tell you, the prayers of the people and the power of God has sustained us. He is so good to us. And I want to encourage you guys because through my prayer time this year, I've seen so many prayers answered. 
I've seen so many prayers where it seemed like there was no answer, no chance that God would move, and I see him come through. And I want to praise God this morning for that. And I want everyone to know that when we call on the name of the Lord, he is there, and he will answer us. So I come to this scene that we have in heaven. There's going to be a couple scriptures that I go to uh, throughout. Our main scripture will be out of uh, Acts chapter 12. But um, first I want to give you just what exactly it is that God sees in our prayers. So as we look in the book of Revelation, it says, I'm going to flip over there for a second. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, it says, When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding up a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And chapter 8 says, And another angel, verse 3, Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints of the golden altar, which was before the throne of God. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hands. We need to understand something about prayer. God loves our prayer. I think about for myself, I was, a you know, many years ago I played baseball and I thought about, you know, as I was studying this and studying this scene in heaven, I was looking and, and seeing these, the, just the worship that was going on and thinking about that scent. And like for me, playing baseball, I love the smell of a baseball field. It might seem weird, but when I walk into a stadium, anybody know what that smells like? I walk into a baseball stadium and I can smell the fresh grass, the watered down uh, uh, dirt, just everything that's there, and it just, it brings into me something that is sweet. Now, that is nothing compared to what God thinks of and what comes to him when he smells the incense of our prayers before him. And that is such a beautiful picture to us. But yet, I, I, I got to beg this question, because I know for myself, why don't we do it more? Paul just, just you know, was talking about prayer meetings. Statistically speaking, prayer meeting is the least attended event in every church. But I'm here to tell you that in prayer, in those times of prayer, there is so much power, uh, power available at the altar of God. If we have something that we're crying out for, something that we need, if I asked you right now, and you can raise your hand, if I ask you right now, we'll be interactive this morning, no sitting around. How many of you guys have something that you need to pray for? How about this? How many of you guys have a loved one that is away from the Lord that you need prayer for? How many of you guys are not where you need to be with the Lord right now? How many of you guys desire to be so much closer to God? Then why don't we call on him? He's ready. 
He's ready to do it. I know for myself, as I'm going through all these trials and tribulations in my life, which I shouldn't be surprised of because that's what his word says will come, right? But that there's power in that. There's power in trusting in God that he's going to be faithful to listen to the prayers of his people and answer them. And that brings me great comfort and joy. I don't know about you, but I am so incredibly comforted knowing that my God in heaven is not just somebody who is put off on a shelf. He is living and interacting in each and every one of our lives. I, when I look out on you guys, and this is why I love you guys so much, is because we share life together in this church. I look out and I see faces of people that I've prayed for and answered prayer. And I want to give praise to God for that answered prayer because he deserves nothing less. So the first passage that I want to go to is, if you would turn over to me, with me, to um, Jeremiah 29. A lot of us know this, wor this word. We have, uh, may have a plaque on our wall, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, right? But there's some things that you need to know about this passage before. He's speaking to a harlot Israel. I looked just very briefly, and it was funny because Paul was like, yeah, I've been studying this for, for quite a while now. And I told him I was, I was kind of, you know, going through the chapter and looking, and there are, if you look at just the headings of each chapter, it is Judah's apostasy, Jerusalem falling away from the Lord. All of these times that God was telling them, come to me. And yet, what did they do? They walked away. They did things their own ways. And guys, I just have this sense this morning that they, they went and followed their idols, and we have some idols this morning that need to be broken. We have some idols this morning that God, it, there are certain things that God is not going to hear us and answer our prayers if we have these idols in our life. He wants us completely, no sharing with the Lord, ourselves given to him 100%. Because our lives depend on it. Not just our lives, our eternity depends on it. And so when we look, a lot of us know this verse. Verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. But we're going to go back and we're going to read from 10 to 14. Because we miss this a lot of times. 10 says, thus says the Lord. When 70 years has been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you. And I will bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. And now we see the heart of God. Then you will call upon me and come to pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from 
all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place where I had sent you into exile. Now, I know that he's speaking to Israel here, but there are spiritual ways that this applies to us. When, I, when we talked about the idols, and a lot of us raised our hands for that, right? When we talk about the idols that are in our lives, God doesn't want to share with us, but look at the sweet picture. That was loud. Look at the sweet picture of God when you look at his word and when you see what it is that he desires. He says, I haven't forgotten about you. Sometimes, and especially this year, I'm sure for many of us, and if I'm being honest, sometimes I felt like God forgot about me. Through all of the trial and hardship that Danny and I and the children were going through, there's sometimes that I felt, God, I don't feel you. Are you ever going to answer my prayers? I know what your word says, but I just don't see it happening. But, oh man, look at the heart of God when he sits there and he says, yes, you went into exile and, and, and conquered by the Babylonians, but if you, when you come to me, his heart is to spend time with us. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. We don't just have a God that listens to us. It's amazing enough that we have a God that would even allow us to live. But he listens to our prayers and he answers us. He answers these prayers that we loft up to him. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That is what he was talking about with the idols. The idols have to be dead and gone. When we give our hearts fully to the Lord, then, then he comes and he will listen to us. And what a beautiful picture as we sit here and we look at these things and we look at a God that, that is so inclined and his ear is inclined to listen to us. But what does it say? It says the fervent prayer of a righteous man, right? Righteous. How are we made righteous? By the blood of Jesus. By surrendering all and letting him take complete control of our lives. I don't know where some of you guys are at. But I know in a room in a, in a group this large, there's probably a lot of us, some of us at least, that aren't fully there. That we're walking kind of with, both, with feet on both sides of the fence. But I want to tell you something. God calls us to so much more. When we surrender the things of our life, when we surrender the things that, that are, are idols in our life, he brings us to a, to a place where we, are, we can't even see the fence. We're walking in a fullness and a richness of God that is, that is so uncomprehendable sometimes. You're just in this place where you know that the living God is walking with you. And that is where I want us to be this morning. That is where I, I think our desire and our, and our hearts need to be. So now we're going to flip over to Acts chapter 12 in our main passage. And I love this passage. You talk about a prayer meeting. So to give you a little backdrop of what's going on in this chapter, 
throughout the book of Acts, they're facing trials, tribulations, hardships, things are happening. There's been arrests, and that's exactly what ends up happening here. In the beginning, it says that uh, James, the brother of John, was, was killed by King Herod. Okay? King Herod saw that it pleased the Jews. So what does he do? He takes Peter and he arrests him. But it says that they were, it was the Passover, so he brought him over and he put him in prison with four squadrons. Now this got me, got me thinking. That's 16 soldiers for Peter. Think about that. Herod wasn't dumb. He knew and heard the power of the Lord and what he had been doing through his disciples. And so he brought 16 men to guard Peter in the jail and keep eye over him. And I think about this. It says, so in, 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 we're going to start in verse 4. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. And what was that for? To kill him. So Peter was kept in, a, in the prison. Oh, but hear this part. But the prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. I know that what I went through seemed like a lot, and what some of you guys are going through seems like a lot. But this is why it's so vital for us to come together as a body and pray over one another. Because we can't do it by ourselves. There is nothing that we can do on our own without the power of God leading and guiding and directing us. You have wayward family. My brother is so far. He hates God. And I think about that. And how I don't want him to perish. And so I pray, and I pray through. Like it said that Elijah did, he prayed for rain, and he prayed for it not to rain, and then he prayed for it to rain. But it says the description of his prayer was like a birth room. He was travailing in prayer. He prayed through. It wasn't a 15, 20-minute gathering of, hi, how's it going? Yes, we need prayer, okay. And then we walk away, and we go to back to the rest of the things. It burdened his soul. And therefore, he cried out to the Lord. And it says here, but, I love that word, because it shows me, and it shows us, Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. It, the squadron, Herod, they had no chance. They have no chance. There is no chance. When we call on the name of the Lord, there is no chance for anybody to stand against us. Do you believe that this morning? And so we flip over, and, and an angel of the Lord comes and releases Peter from prison. And he, and, and he leads him out past the gate. Peter comes to himself, and he heads over to uh, uh, the house where they're praying at. And we're going to continue in, chapter, in verse 12. 
And when he realized this, this is after Peter's been, been released, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but she ran and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. That's nice. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. And this kind of leads me into where I believe the Lord is leading us as a church. God answered the prayer of those fervent people. It says fervent prayer was being made in that house. Fervent prayer was being made in the house because they knew the implications. They just saw James, the brother of John, murdered. And they knew that Peter was next. But what happened? Fervent prayer was lifted up, and Peter's released. And I thought that the funny and interesting thing was, was that he's released and walking to the house. The prayer had already been answered, and yet they're still on their faces praying for him. Praying through. And when he shows up, they don't believe it. Why? Because that's a pretty impossible prayer. You're guarded by 16 people in, inside a prison takes a lot of faith for those chains to be broken and for you to be released. But how many of us know that God is in the business of breaking chains? Spiritually, God is in the business of breaking chains and releasing us. Releasing us from the old people that we used to be and taking us into like, like in Corinthians where it says in verse 5 where he sits there and he says that you are a new creation. You are a new creature. The old is dead and gone. That is the desire of God's heart. You want to talk about prayer? A lot of times I hear this with prayer. Well, we have to pray the will of God. I thank God that he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Because I don't have a college education. I don't have a lot of things. But I think I'm thankful for people like Peter. He used fishermen and tax collectors to change the world and turn it upside down. He can use each and every one of us. Don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you are not good enough. You know what? You're not good enough. But with the power of Jesus Christ, you are good enough. And you can do mighty things. Mighty things. And so I sit here and I think about this. The first thing that was on Peter's mind when he gets released and the prayer was answered was what? to go back to the brethren and to give his testimony and tell them. Because there's something powerful about a testimony. When God moves, when he moves in our lives, we can't hold on to that. And this is a scary part for me, but this transitions us into... Um, Into where we're going next. 
we got to give God the glory for everything he's done in our lives. Just with us being here this morning is a treasure. I look out into, into the, the congregation. I see people here that I know that I've ministered to, that Pastor Paul has ministered to, that somebody else has ministered to, and I look at a face, and I look at a face of the child of God. Somebody who was dead in their sins didn't know him, and now they know the living God. And that means that there is eternal life for that person. There is nothing, nothing more miraculous than seeing a person get saved. That is somebody being brought out of death and put into life. And let me tell you something. When Peter spoke, we talked about foolish things. Peter was a fisherman, rough around the edges, all these things. But when he spoke his first sermon, I, I heard it from Pastor Simbola. He said it this way. He said, he used a man like Peter, rough around the edges. And this first sermon that Peter preached in Acts 2 could have been written by a first-year seminary student. Probably better by them. It was simple. He called them out. But what happened? 3,000 people were saved. Why? Because he relied on the power of the Spirit of God. And this is what I'm talking about. And this is where we need to be as a church, people. We need to come before the living God and give praises for what he's done. I know it's been a rough year, but God listens and he answers prayer. What does his word say in Matthew 7? Knock and what? It'll be open, right? Seek and what? You will find. Ask and? Yes, it'll be given to you. You shall receive. But there is a place that we have in this which is to step out. We need to knock, and he is there ready to give us an answer, to open that door. We need to seek after him, and he is ready, waiting. When I look at my son, and I use Eli because he's the youngest one, when I look at my son, I come in from work, and what's the greatest thing I hear? He comes running around the corner because he knows the sound of my keys jingling. Daddy, you're home. He missed me. He longed to be with me. Nicholas, that might be a different story. He's older now. No. Nick. All of my kids, when they come up and they just cuddle with me and they sit with me, my girls, my favorite thing, sit on my chest, let's cuddle. Can we cuddle, Daddy? Absolutely we can. Why? Because I want to spend time with them. I desire that time with them. And it says that if God knows how, if we know how to give good gifts as, as people, how much more does God know how to give us? And so that's why this time that we're coming into now, and I'm going to ask you guys, I'm just going to ask you guys to just get your hearts ready. This has been a tough year, but our God is a God that delights in the prayers of his people and will answer us when we call on him. And I trust in him. Amen. I trust in him. And this is what I want us to do now. As Peter came 
and gave testimony of the great things that God had just done in his life. I'm going to open it up for a time, and I pray that you guys pray about it. I know I'm going to share. But let's just give praise for what God has done in our lives because there are so many prayers as I look out that God has answered in this church. And he deserves to be praised and adored and given adoration for what he has done in our lives. Amen? Amen.